It's Wednesday, October 19th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, the Guardians 2022 season came to an end on Tuesday in New York. Uh, the Guardians fall to the Yankees 5-1 to one in Game 5 of the American League Division Series. Aaron Savali took the ball and started Game 5 and didn't last very long. Uh, I think he only retired one of the five batters that he faced in the game. Uh, gave up three runs on John Carlos Stanton's uh, home run to right field in the first inning. And from there, the Guardians could never recover. Uh, really, their offense didn't get on track against Nestor Cortez, uh, the left-hander who wasn't originally supposed to start the game. But once things uh, moved in that direction due to the rainout on Monday, uh, the Yankees got their man and they they got the right situation. Their, their bullpen pitched well. Their power hitters hit the ball out of the park and... Uh, and the Guardians went home for the season. Uh, it's a unceremonious end to an exciting, thrilling, unexpected season for Cleveland. But uh, this is the way it went down uh, when when Cleveland once again goes up against the Yankees in the division series and, and comes up just short. Yeah, Joe, uh, disappointing day um, in the Bronx. Um, just, um, you know, like you said, uh, Stanton's three-run homer put him behind the eight ball in the first inning, and that was basically the ball game. Uh, you know, uh, the, the decision to start Aaron Savali, you know, who had not made a start until since October fifth, you know, just kind of came back and and really backfired on on Terry Francona and and the Guardians. Um, and, you know, I just, you know, you look at it and what were the other options, Joe, I guess, you know, that that you could uh, talk about what what else, what other moves could they have made? Well, I think the one option that that wasn't out there, at least in Terry Francona's mind and in uh, Carl Willis's mind was starting Shane Bieber on three days rest. Uh, they weren't going to do that. I think they made it pretty clear to everybody, including Shane Bieber, that that it wasn't going to happen. They weren't going to risk his health moving forward, uh, he had never started on three days rest, and they weren't about to to start in in that situation. Uh, you know, he, he's he's going to get second guessed for that. He's he's got to make a decision one way or another. Uh, he did that. He went with Savali, uh, but I think there's there's levels of 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 nuance to this. It's not just you know choosing Savali over Bieber. He he certainly would choose Bieber if if he were fully rested and healthy and available. But uh, in this situation, he, he gave the ball to the person he thought uh, could possibly get him uh, what he needed in that, in, in that game. And, and Savali didn't come through. Uh, there were red flags. There were, you know, Savali hadn't started in 13 days. He hadn't pitched. Uh, so he was going to have command issues. We saw that with the four-pitch walk to start. Uh, Savali has a history against the the Yankees, particularly Aaron Judge, uh, and uh, of giving up home runs. Uh, so you knew that there was something more at play there than just you know hoping he can get you through a couple of innings. Uh, Tito rolled the dice on this one, and uh, I don't know. I'm still going with whatever Tito decides. Uh, as as uh, yeah, I can't second guess him for this because he really didn't have the the option of using Shane Bieber. Yeah, you know, I, we talked to Shane uh, after the game. 
uh, we asked him, uh, you know, what uh, was he disappointed he didn't get to pitch uh, yesterday? And he said, you know, it was a, it was basically, you know, it was a decision by Francona and Carl Wellis. It was a, a group decision. He said, you know, some you as a, when you, you you do the things that are best for the team, and if they had advanced, he would be starting tonight in in against Houston at, at Minute Maid Park. Uh, so it's not like he wasn't going to pitch anymore. But, you know, the fact of the matter is uh, he didn't pitch. We asked him if, uh, you know, he, he was willing to pitch on short rest. He said, no. Have I ever done it? Uh, yeah, would, I, would I have done it if asked? I would have, yes. Uh, so, you know, it's it's one of those questions where you kind of, you know, he, he you know, I, I don't know. If they had gone to him. And asked him, you know, point blank, will you pitch on on short rest? Uh, I think he would have said sure. But you know, the, Frank Conner from the get go, Joel, and we've been, we we were talking about this. You know, he did not. He he kept saying, we do not want to put this guy at risk. We don't want to put him in an unfamiliar position, where you know he's coming off the shoulder injury in 2021. And uh, he, yes, he had a great season. Yes, he made 31 starts. Yes, he pitched 200 innings. But uh, Francona went out of his way to say a lot more went into that than just the pure numbers, meaning I guess, you know, he got the proper rest when it was needed. Yeah, and uh, more than that, uh, Tito says on a, on a regular basis, it, it's it, – it, you can't just do what's right when it's convenient for you. You've got to do it all the time. And he, he sat in his office and told us prior to game three, you know, he, he wants Shane Bieber to, to, to reach his fullest potential uh, when it comes to earning contracts and, and, you know, setting himself up for, for life with that. Uh, And if he goes out and tears up his shoulder, uh, pitching on only a few days rest in, in the postseason. That's, you know, he's not going to be available to to have a, a full season next year and and sort of showcase himself for that kind of thing. I, I, I really don't question preserving Shane Bieber and protecting Shane Bieber. Uh, maybe there were other options besides Shane Bieber uh, instead of starting Aaron Savali right off the, the jump there. Uh, you know, maybe you, you start the game with an opener like Trevor Steffen and and have him go through the top of the Yankees lineup. Uh, you know, one of your hotter pitchers at the at the at the moment. We saw what he was able to do when he did come into the game uh, with with how five six strikeouts or whatever he did. Um, you you maybe started off and set Savali up in a position where maybe he can come in uh, after an inning or two and go through the 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 second half or the bottom of. New York's lineup and and get you a couple of innings that way. Yeah, that 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 would make sense. Uh, but you know, he was asked about a you know a couple of days before uh, Game Five. He was asked about had had they considered a you know going with an opener, and and the answer was no that they were going to go with Savali. I guess you know they were they, you know they were committed to Savali and they stayed with him and uh, he just didn't pitch real well, Joe. I I thought. You know, I you know, Savali is kind of that guy that likes the underdog role. You know, he likes that. He likes to be in those situations. But in this in this instance, 
the situation just got be- the better of him. He just couldn't throw a strike. And, you know, you could tell, I don't know if it was the crowd, if it was, you know, the long, long layoff since he hadn't pitched. I'm sure that was, that was the factor. You know, you throw bullpens, you throw simulated games, but it's never the same as getting it in the Yankee Stadium in an el- elimination game with 50,000 people screaming at you. That's a little hard to uh, replicate on, uh, you know, <laughs> on an off day at, at Progressive Field. So, you know, it was just, uh, you know, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Yeah, and it didn't help. You had Alan Porter behind the plate, and Alan Porter, notoriously a more friendly uh, umpire with a strike zone. I thought in that first at bat to DeGliver Torres, uh, I thought there were two pitches that um, that uh, Porter missed in terms of uh, strikes, that, that balls that could have been called strikes. Maybe that changes the at bat. Maybe Torres doesn't get on base, and and things look a little different. Who knows? Uh, it, it just getting uh, Savali through the top of that order once might have changed the complexion of the game. The fact the fact remains, uh, the the Guardians didn't hit either. Uh, they didn't take advantage of uh, big situations in the game, as as we've seen when when Guardians baseball and that. Uh, you know, that high pressure, run the bases, put the ball in play sort of style. When that's going well, they're able to string together hits and, and drive in runs. When that offense stagnates, when that uh, when that style of play stagnates and you you strand nine runners on base in the game, uh, it, it's really hard for this team to recover. And it's almost an impossible task to, to keep another offense down long enough uh, for things to click in. Yeah, we saw that a lot during the regular season when when they don't hit, when they don't run the base as well, uh, when they aren't keeping the line moving. You know, the, the, you're right, Joe, this offense bogs down and they don't hit home runs to, uh, you know, save them, to get them out of those jams. So, you know, that was, uh, you know, Nestor Cortez did a nice job for five innings. He did come back on three days rest. Five innings, one run, three hits, two strikeouts. You know, he kind of mystified uh, uh, the Guardians. Uh, and like you said, they had a shot in the third inning when they loaded the bases. Um, you know, Ramirez hits a sacrifice fly, but that was it. He just, you know, he pulled the ball foul, just missed what could, could have been a grand slam. And that would have been, you know, put him right back in the game. But he comes back with a sacrifice fly, and that was the extent of their offense. Yeah, uh, Josh Naylor with an opportunity uh, later in the game on a ball that he, you know, hit on the screws and hit it right up the middle. But uh, the the Yankees had him played perfectly defensively. If that if that same ball had been hit last year, that's a two run single or next year. I'm sorry. That's a two run single because, you know, the shortstop isn't playing on the second base side of the the bag. But uh, unfortunately for Naylor, uh, the the ban on the shift hasn't taken effect yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that wasn't the only thing that went wrong with for Naylor yesterday. He was uh, he he has replaced uh, Stephen Kwan and uh, Miles Straw as public enemy number one at at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, well, we'll get into um, the reaction here in a in a bit. I just wanted to you know mention that that uh, that happened in the in terms of the uh, the, the timeline of the game. Uh, you mentioned Nestor Cortez and the effort that he gave. Uh, Cortez wouldn't have been out there had it not been for the debacle and the rain out on uh, Monday night. Uh, I, I get that you can't control the weather. I think nobody 
uh, knows that better than the Guardians this season. Uh, I, I guess there there was a possibility of of having an opportunity to play the game later on Monday, and it would have forced New York's hand. But how much do you think uh, you know Major League Baseball uh, wanted to set New York and the Yankees up for uh, their best possible in, in the best possible position uh, to advance because you know, with with the Dodgers being out of the postseason, with uh, with Philly and San Diego being the the two remaining teams in the the NL, uh, the you know baseball sort of needed a marquee name to to stay in the playoffs, and uh, the Guardians are are, are not the uh, the kind of market that the Yankees uh, can pull in. Yeah, it, it you know there's all sorts of uh, this is a fertile ground for a conspiracy uh, theorist, for sure. Um, you know I think uh, they could you know the rain stopped around ten o'clock. They could have played, I thought, but it was you know it was cold, it was miserable. Um, I think uh, the decision was made. We're not going to play you know an, an ALDS game at at 10 at 10 10 p.m. at night here we're just not going to do it but you know the fact uh and and the guardians you know i think we're not pleased with the decision that from what i heard from what the people i've talked to the biggest thing they they were that upset them joe is that they uh you know the, when they were negotiating this you know because the forecast was bad all day they knew it was coming they, when they were negotiating, they had always negotiated with the thought that they were going to play at one o'clock on Tuesday. Then, just at the tail end of uh, uh, the negotiations, after you know when when they were about to uh, postpone the game, it all of a sudden shifted to a four o'clock game. You know, I think that was uh, the Yankees were saying, "Well, our fans have been sitting here for two and a half hours. You know, it's it's tough to ask them to come back at one o'clock." The next day, so we're you know we want to do it at four o five the next day, so that that kind of I don't think that sit, sit, that did not sit well with uh, the Indians of uh, the guard the Guardians front office, and um, you know I think and it, it certainly allowed uh, uh, you know the the Yankees to uh, switch pitchers they took Tyan uh Jameson Tyan out of there uh, you know the right-hander that they that uh, Cleveland had beaten in uh, game 4 in extra innings and put uh put were able to start Cortez so i think you know it i don't know if it's a out and out conspiracy but it certainly helped uh, the Yankees more than it helped the uh, Cleveland yeah and it, you know there there was whole situations in this in this uh division series that that really everything had to fall the right way for the Yankees, uh, and and it sort of did. You know, being able to pitch Cole twice in the series, whereas Cleveland only gets to pitch uh, Bieber, you know, once uh, because of the rainouts and and the the movement and all that. Uh, I I think it was really sort of unfortunate had had that first rainout not happened and and moved Game Two. Uh, you know, you're looking at the possibility that Bieber would have been on full rest and and been able to come back and pitch Game Five. Uh, so th there was a, a series of, I guess, unfortunate events uh, that, that just wound up favoring the, the Yankees. And uh, again, when when money is taken into consideration, uh, you, you can understand why Major League Baseball wants things. Wants wants it set up so that the Yankees can advance. It's it, it, it's un 
just sucks to be Cleveland in this situation and always be looking up at uh, the the bigger markets and and seeing you know how everything is set up for them to succeed and for for you to fail. That's why you know a World Series run in 2016 is something that's so precious for this team because it's it doesn't happen all that often. These these playoff runs don't always come about, and you have to sort of cherish them when they do. Yeah, and you know, I think we got to take into to account, Joe. You know, the Guardians, even though they won the division, had to play the wild card series, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. you know, you had to pitch Bieber and uh, McKenzie in those two games to advance, and you know, that's the way that the the playoff system is set up. You know, I've you know the for for the first year this year, and so that kind of put them, you know, that that juggled their uh, their pitching rotation as well. Uh, as as far as in game, uh, you know things that went wrong, things that went right. Uh, the the Guardians didn't have a great series when it comes to when it came to uh, replay challenges. There were two instances in game four where uh, the Guardians challenged and lost their challenges uh, based on plays that you know pretty much looked obvious that they shouldn't have challenged but did anyways. They rolled the dice. Uh, the one was Jose Ramirez diving back to first base. And he might very well have been safe and avoided the tag, but there was nothing in a a review uh, a replay that showed uh, anything to, worth overturning on that. Uh, and then later on in that same game, when Gabriel Arias pulled his foot off the bag uh, on an infield hit, uh, and they challenged, and it was you know there there was a, they were confirmed to to uphold the call, uh, but. I guess they didn't even get to that point on uh, Tuesday with uh, Andres Jimenez sliding into first base and Anthony Rizzo diving towards the bag with his glove. Uh, the replay camera angle showed that Rizzo was well short of the bag by the time uh, Jimenez's foot hit the base, uh, but the Guardians ran out of time. And when Terry Francona was asked, uh, after the game, why he didn't challenge that play to potentially extend that inning. Uh, Francona said, we we ran out of time. I'm I'm curious if you, you've heard anything else ab- about that or uh, if there was uh, just the fact that, you know, watching the broadcast from home, we could see that camera angle pretty quickly. I'm wondering if Mike Barnett, the replay coordinator, ever got a chance to see that camera angle that we saw um, in time for... Uh, Tito to challenge. Yeah, I did not uh, hear anything more than that, Joe. Uh, I was talking to we were talking. I was talking to Bieber when uh, when Jimenez was being interviewed, and I did not get to get a chance to talk to him. So I'm not sure what angle they saw. I just heard what you heard when when Tito said they ran out of time. Yeah, just uh, just curious because earlier in the season uh, they had actually uh, won a game in Kansas City on a play where Emmanuel Classe uh, beat a, a Kansas City base runner to the bag uh, in the in, in the bottom of the ninth. And uh, the, the replay, he was ruled safe, but the replay overturned it. You know, and Tito said, hey, how often do you, do you see Barney get a walk-off? Um, but Barnett said after that that, you know, if that game had been played in Cleveland, uh, they wouldn't have had the camera angle that he used to, to sort of, you know, roll the dice on, hey, you should challenge this. And 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 see if it it comes out your way. Um, I'm wondering if it was just a, a lack of uh, availability of those camera angles. And uh, you know we'll we'll follow up in the next couple of days here with 
with Tito just to to get confirmation on it. But uh, a lot of people were were really steaming, uh, you know, on on Twitter uh, at home, just watching that and and wondering why the Guardians didn't challenge that play when it looked pretty obvious that uh, they could have won that challenge. Yeah, and you know, and I guess if okay, they do challenge, it gets overturned. It's it was a two out single and. Well, I guess we never know what would happen then, but the way things were going, I, you know, I don't know if that's, that, that would have sparked a rally, but, you know, you've got to, you've got to take your opportunities when, when they present themselves. Right. Uh, so, so there we are. We, uh, let's move past game five. Let's, uh, let's look beyond this. Uh, Terry Francona's post-game comments, uh, what he said, the, this he, you know, he he talked about how how proud he was of of the team and and how he told his players that he he talked about how uh, this can't just be the end of this story. This has to be the starting point for this group of players. You know what they've done is they've they've been able to in the space of one season identify some key young pieces and and assemble a core or or what has the beginnings of a core. Uh, that can hopefully be competitive for the next, you know, several years for uh, for the Guardians. Uh, is 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 this something? Is this the beginning of something special for these guys? Yeah, you know, I do. I think it is, Joe. I think uh, you know, you've got players like Quan, uh, you know, uh, with uh, you know Quan and and Arias. Um, and we Oscar we've Giles. seen that. Oscar Gonzalez, uh, we've seen, uh, you know, the, all those guys in the bullpen, Henkes, Stefan, Karen, Shaq, Class A, um, you know, I mean, even, you know, Straw, as much as he struggled offensively, was still a force in center field. Uh, Jimenez was the all-star second baseman, all young guys. And we still, you know, you still got uh, a lot of prospects at AAA that we haven't seen yet. You know, I, I really think this is the start of something good uh, for Cleveland, you know, but obviously you need to, you need, they need some additions here. They need some experienced big league help. I mean, you cannot just go around and point a magic wand at Owen Miller and tell him you're going to be my first baseman. It just doesn't work like that. You've got to go out now. You've got, you've got a talented team. What they've got to do is go out now and get, a quality, a quality first baseman, and a power bat. You know, you it does. It's you don't you don't have to. I don't think they have to make huge additions, but they have to make additions. You can't let this you know this kind of group die on the vine. You gotta you gotta really help them now. You know they've they've shown they've shown the front office, they've shown the baseball world how far they can take this thing, but they need some help. Yeah, a catcher would be another position with maybe maybe you'd look to uh, improve the the offensive production there uh, in in some way. Uh, you, you brought up Bo Naylor, but you you don't really you didn't really get much uh, out of that. And at the very end of the season, there, you know, maybe maybe there's a spark there. Uh, but really, this whole season is the spark. This whole idea that you know they won with the youngest team in in baseball. That's the spark. Now you need to fan that into flames that eventually grow and grow. Uh, and, and you do that, like you said, by adding, uh, making key additions, making those those key veteran um, moves. Uh, you know, back in the 90s, they, they, they timed it up to where, you know, one or two key veteran additions 
was all it took and and things just sort of took off from there uh you know maybe maybe the 2023 season is the one where they they go out and they bring in uh you know the Dennis Martinez or the uh you know uh, to a degree Jack Morris but uh it, really those <laughs> Tony uh, Pena uh, or Tony uh, Pena, right. Eddie Eddie uh Eddie, Eddie uh <laughs> Eddie Murray, yeah, you know, those are the kind of additions you're looking for now because this team is ready to win, Joe. This team is 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 ready to take off. I mean, you know, they shocked the world this this uh this season, but they can do more. All right, Hoisey, that's going to wrap it up for today. We will have a lot more uh, you know, postseason, off-season discussion uh coming here on the podcast in the next uh week to uh, several days. Um this was a great ride. Uh, I, I wouldn't have done it with anybody but you. Uh, you're, you're the you're the best guy uh, to to bring along on uh, on, a, on a season like this. I had a lot of fun, and uh, the off season begins now. Definitely, Joe. It was uh, <laughs> it was a crazy ride, man. It was it was so on so totally out of left field, you know. Then that that's what made it that's what made it exciting and fun. All right, we will uh, we'll continue this week and, and do some more wrap-up. Uh, hopefully, at some point, we'll hear from uh, Terry Francona and Chris Antonetti uh, by the end of this week, and uh, we'll, we'll report back to you here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. 